Well, if you've been with us for the last few weeks or if you're joining us today for the first time, we're in the middle of a series considering uh, the identity and the mission of the church. Why church? God's purpose for his people. And this morning we come to consider the description of the church as the family of God. Stories are one of the most powerful things in all the world. Stories have the ability to unite us like nothing else. A good story cannot be stopped. It cannot be defeated. Everyone always loves to listen and tell a good story. Uh, Josh even wrote a book about telling a better story, I'm told. What I've come to understand, though, about stories is that the best ones, the ones that we keep on coming back to, to read again and again or to watch again and again, uh, they're about family. Family is the thread that ties them together. The Chronicles of Nardia, uh, Star Wars, the Fast and the Furious franchise. At the heart of all of them is a family. And the story of the Bible is a story about the greatest family. It's a story about God's family, a family that turned its back on their creator, a God who as a loving father would not leave his children to their own devices. The Bible is the story of redemption that leads to adoption. As Galatians chapter 4 verse 7 tells us, you are no longer a slave, but God's child. God is gathering together a people who are his own people, a people who are his treasured possession. And when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, when you repent of your sin and put your faith and trust in Jesus, you enter into God's family through adoption and grace. You're part of a, of a family that's far better than any book you've ever read or every movie you've ever watched. You're part of that family. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 14, we read that those who are led by the Spirit of God uh, are the children of God. And the Spirit that you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Rather, the Spirit has brought about your adoption to sonship. There are no shortages of places in the Bible where the people of God are described in familial terms. When Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, he begins, Our Father who art in heaven. When Nicodemus speaks to Jesus about who he is, Jesus tells him that in order to see the kingdom of God, he must be born again. And the Apostle Peter echoes this in 1 Peter 1.3 where he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. The New Testament doesn't just stop there because it then goes on to speak of us as heirs. Romans chapter 8 verse 16, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we might share in his glory. Uh, Jesus himself is not ashamed to call us brothers. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family, so Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Paul says it again in Galatians 3, verse 26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. 
He brings us out in Ephesians chapter 2 where he talks about us being members of God's household. No longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people. Members of his house. Now all of this might be incredibly emotionally charged. You might be sitting here going, yes, this is wonderful. I am a child of God. Uh, it might sort of uh, begin to bring up in you, within you some warm, uh, fuzzy feelings. And it is a really wonderful thought. But if that's all that it does, then it fails to take into account uh, the complicated parts of being part of a family. The risk that we run in our modern Western age is that we individualize the family of God. We're all very happy to sit right now and acknowledge that I am a child of God. That is a wonderful thought. But we neglect that we, what we have in common, that I am a child of God, and you are a child of God. Therefore, we are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Uh, that means that all fellow followers of Jesus are your family. Uh, the family of God is the whole invisible church, uh, the church uh, to whom only God knows who are his. But that invisible church always expresses itself in the gathering of God's people in a local church. So if you just stop looking at me for a moment and look around at those gathered here with us today, this is your family gathering. And I hope that it will continue to be your family gathering in the days and the years ahead. But as we think about the complicated nature of family, we've got to think about exactly what it is that Jesus says that it means to be a part of that family. Um, I have a family here in America. I have a family that I've married into in South Africa. Uh, there are all kinds of uh, interpersonal relationships that are woven into that. Uh, there are plenty of stories that I could share with you about the complicated things that make up a family. One in particular comes to mind. Uh, I can think in particular of one uh, birthday breakfast uh, that was ruined because the person that was supposed to bring croissants decided that toast would suffice. That did not go down well for some members of that family. A family life can become messy, it can become tricky. Um, I mean, after all, who wants to take on the moniker of the mother-in-law or the stepmother in the world that we currently live in? Um, now, to set the record straight, my mother-in-law is probably watching this, uh, and she's the best mother-in-law that I have ever had. <laughs> but we know that it is incredibly complicated to be part of a family. So what does Jesus say about family, and specifically the family of God? Well, firstly, you can choose your friends, but you cannot choose your family. In Luke chapter 18 and verse 28, uh, Jesus is having this exchange around who can inherit eternal life. He says, uh, with man this is not possible, but with God all things are possible. And Peter turns around to him and says, we have left everything to follow you, Jesus. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. 
We may have to leave family and home. We may be united into a family that is not of our choosing when we are joined into the family of God. For it is God who does the rescuing. It is God who does the redemption. It is God who buys us out of slavery and adopts us into his family. He forms us. We don't get to choose. But the wonderful gift of the family of God is that if we leave it for the sake of the kingdom, we will receive many times in this lifetime from the kingdom of God. For if you leave family for the sake of the kingdom, then from the kingdom, uh, God will grant you more family than is ever imaginable. But when you receive that family, more relatives than you could ever have imagined, more brothers and sisters than you ever could have imagined, more mothers in Christ than you could count, we need to understand uh, who it is that's part of that family. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus paints a little picture of that. It wasn't uh, the priest or the Levite who helped the man fall in an attack by robbers on the road to Jericho. It was the Samaritan. It wasn't the nine Jewish lepers in Luke 17 who returned to thank Jesus for being healed, but it was this foreigner who came and expressed his gratefulness. It wasn't the rich, well-dressed man who feasted sumptuously day after day, who sat at Abraham's side in paradise, but the poor, sick, disgusting beggar Lazarus who was raised up to that place. It was not Simon the Pharisee who entertained Jesus in his own home, who knew the forgiveness and the love of God, but the sinful woman whose very touch was repulsive to Simon who knew the forgiveness of God and loved deeply. It was not the elder brother who had worked with his father and for his father, who received in the parable the feast of the fattened calf, but the degenerate waster who was defiled beneath the level of the pigs, but finally came to his right mind and came home in Luke chapter 15. You can choose your friends, but you cannot choose your family. Jesus did not come to call the righteous, but he came to call sinners to repentance. And so Jesus' family is a family of forgiven sinners. It is a family from our gospel reading of those who hear the word of God and do it. Uh, the family of God is built around Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ who offered himself as the redeeming sacrifice so that we could become part of that family. Uh, the family of God is made up of people from all walks of life, forged together into a new humanity through Jesus Christ himself. Uh, the church of God, the family of God, finds its identity in Christ and is built up around the cornerstone that is Jesus Christ. It is not a blend of beautiful, desirable, wonderful people. It is a blend of people like us, sinful, broken, and spiritually bankrupt. And when people criticize church people as being difficult and hypocritical and sinful and boring and unloving and nobodies, which are actually all true things, when people criticize the church family like that, they fail to understand the nature of God's family. And they actually demonstrate that they remain outside of that family. For God has chosen us to be his children and to be each other's brothers and sisters. 
Now the wonderful thing about that is that brothers and sisters are actually very good for each other. Brothers and sisters can say things that friends can never afford to say. They have the ability to knock each other into shape like nobody else can quite do. But at the end of the day, they still have to put up with each other. At the end of the fight, they have to reconcile. I think the second thing that Jesus helps us to understand is not just that we, we don't get to choose our family because it's God's family and we're joined into that family and we have a responsibility to participate in that family, but he also draws out for us that there is a family of greater importance than your biological family. Uh, turn back just for a moment to the gospel reading. Uh, Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they weren't able to get near him because of the crowd. And someone said, your mother and brothers are standing outside waiting to see you. And what was probably or possibly the most scandalous thing that Jesus could have said in the first century, and, uh, and I think the, maybe the most scandalous thing that he could have said in the 21st century, I mean, this is the thing that would have really had Jesus build as a cult leader in the 21st century. He turns around and he looks at those sitting there. And in Mark, he actually says, these are my brothers and my sisters. He says, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. We're not told why Jesus' family was coming to see him. But the point of the passage is Jesus' response that the real family are not the relatives, not the people that are from the same gene bank or blood, but those of the same spirit or those with the same father, namely God. You see, Jesus says that he has a priority over people. He has a priority even over people's families. That there is a family that you need to be a part of that is of more importance than your immediate family that you walked into church with this morning. And just to drive this point even further home, uh, to think about this is as you raise your children, what is the goal? What does successful parenting look like? Are we raising them to be successful in this world? Or have you ever stopped to think that the goal of raising your children is that actually one day they take their place in the family of God? That your prayer in this life is that your children will one day stop being your children and will start being your brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, in the family of God. Now in our Old Testament reading, we recognize, I hope you picked up the complexity of being a part of God's family. Uh, that was the family of Jacob. You might want to go home and read it again after you've listened to this sermon. And you realize that in the family of God, there's some really crazy stuff that takes place. All of these children that are being born out of jealousy and rivalry. The story gets even crazier when it introduces some mandrakes later on. you got to read that part over lunch. Uh, but God isn't afraid in the context of his family to recognize that there is a deep complexity that runs with it. There is a cost to being part of the family of God. Uh, God's family will not function properly without efforts because we are different from each other. Uh, bringing all of this together and understanding the identity of the church as the family of God, we need to recognize that the Christian life is not our own private affair. If we have been born again, if we have been born of the Spirit into this family, uh, that then 
and, and he has become our father, and every Christian believer throughout the whole world has become our brother and sister in Christ, regardless of uh, nation or denomination. Uh, it's no good to suppose that we can live out our identity as the followers of Jesus Christ in some kind of isolated individualism. We are members of Christ's universal and Catholic church. We express that through belonging to a local expression of the family of God in a geographical place. An example of this morning would be here at Holy Trinity. But to be part of that family will require patience and forbearance and self-control and steadfastness. If you've spent any time being part of an earthly family, you know that it requires a certain amount of intentionality. I got on the phone this week and phoned my dad and my sister and said, hey, we're here for the first time in 24 years. What's the plan for Thanksgiving and Christmas? You've got to think about those things. We're privileged as the people of God that we can gather with his family every single Sunday. And yet do we make that not just a priority but an intention that we, when we walk into church, it's not just about consuming what is on offer but about serving those around us, uh, building deep familial relationships. And my expectation this morning isn't that you have a deep family relationship with every single person in this church or every single person in this building at this moment, but how are you building into the family of God? And don't wait for someone else in the family of God to come and build into you. It means being available. It's going to cost you. But beyond all of this, it requires a unity. We need to be united and to be constantly reminded of that unity. And when you put all of this together, you might think to yourself, hey, I really do want this. I want to be part of this family of God. I want to experience all the blessings and the gifts and the joy that that brings. But it's not really possible, is it? It's actually quite a big ask when you throw a bunch of sinful, broken people together and tell them that they are now a family. Where does this unity come from? Well, the last thing that I want to say to you this morning, it's said that about families... Blood is thicker than water. And blood can indeed be that which unites people. If you, any of you remember Henry V? We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. For whoever sheds his blood with me today shall be my brother. However humble his birth, this day shall grant him nobility. And that's enough Shakespeare for this sermon. It's not just a, a common blood. It's not just a common set of genes that unites us. Uh, the, our blood that unites us is richer still, it is more costly, and it is shed for a victory that is greater than any human uh, victory that has ever been won. It is the blood of the Lamb, the blood of the Son of God, uh, God's one and only Son who was sacrificed for you, who was pure and blameless and without fault so that your sins and my sins could be forgiven so that we could be brought home, so that we could be adopted and brought into this family as sons and daughters, as heirs and co-heirs with Christ. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. This blood of the Lamb 
unites sinners more closely than sisters or brothers or parents or children. And so friends, as you think about following Jesus Christ and being part of God's family, I want to encourage and exhort you to think carefully about how you live in the family of God. Think about the priority that it takes and the intentionality that you give it. But above all of that, I want to ask you this question this morning. Are you part of this family? Are you part of the family of God? You can't be born into it through flesh and blood. You have to be born into it by the Spirit, by the washing of your sins, by the regeneration of your soul. Have you bowed the knee to Jesus? Have you repented and put your trust in him? Are you counted among his family because you have heard the word of Christ, you have heard the word about Christ, and you are doing what it says as you put it into effect in your life in faithful obedience. Today, the Lord himself is inviting you to join his family. And I want to ask you, will you take up that offer? I'm in a new place and learning a lot of new things. But one thing that I hope will remain the same is just an approachability if anything that was said this morning struck you, I'd love for you to come and speak to me. I'd love to have coffee with you this week. I'd love to connect more deeply about what it means to be the family of God. If something from God's word has struck you this morning, please won't you grab any of the people that you've seen in the front this morning because today if you've heard God's voice, today if he is calling you to join that family, maybe for the first time because it's all fallen into place and it makes sense, can I encourage you to act on it? Would you bow with me now and let's pray. Our Lord God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your family. We thank you that we are sons and daughters adopted by grace. And we pray, Lord, that we will think and live carefully in this family as we recognize its identity, as we see its priority, and as we experience its joy in our lives. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.